0: Hi, for the Hamptons, this is Austin Danger Podcast, a movie podcast about the people who made one of the greatest film trilogies of all time. I'm Kev, she's Mackenzie, and tonight our giant wheel of random movies has given us probably the closest film in content, themes, and comedy to Austin, probably besides Wayne's world. I would agree. Keenan Ivory Wayne's White Chicks.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. Here, it's time. Once again, we go where no podcast dare venture. <laughs> uh, I, I can say that is consistently what we do as a podcast.
0: You have to innovate, folks.
1: We, have to innovate. Have, we to have to innovate. We have to go, you know, whether it be private parts, whether it be Brian De Palma's Black Dahlia, whether it be White Chicks, we have to go where no podcast airs. Uh,
0: maybe they don't dare for a reason, but we'll, <laughs> we'll figure that out sometime. <laughs> you know, the truth is, I really haven't been watching that many movies this week. I watched a couple starring Elvis, which we'll talk about later mm. on in the show. I watched I'm, I'm trying to watch more tv and kind of cut through some of that because it's just kind of fun and uh I, it, it's murder she wrote star wars rebels and then like once or twice a week i can sit through a stranger things uh which they, those that hour is is a long hour my friends uh and that's been fun but besides that i mean i got really back into video games i'm playing jedi star wars jedi fallen order that's the full name <laughs> by the people who made apex legends it, it's like a mix of uncharted with some dark souls sword play stuff which is a ton of fun mm. and uh that's been great i i have tickets for a lot of movies oh <laughs> um I, I think i'm gonna see Lightyear friday afternoon i i don't know i'm still on the fence i have to be honest you know what i mean um but yeah i mean have you been watching anything
1: I watched a couple of random movies, a movie that's been on my watch list and I don't remember. Do you ever have those movies where you're like, I don't remember putting you here, but now I feel like obligated to watch you. I don't know if you ever have that with your watch list. Um, but I watched Strike! Exclamation point! I think it has another name. It's one of those movies where it was released like differently in different places. Um, but if you are a fan of... 90s gems like little Ooh. weird hidden gems i think this is a good movie for you uh it stars the cast is bonkers 1998 kirsten dunst
0: wow a, a the champion lead. of this show from small soldiers
1: <laughs> gabby hoffman Mm-hmm. who uh, people i know her from transparent but she's been in a bunch of stuff lynn redgrave randomly in this uh rachel lee cook who the real ones will know as josie from josie and the pussycats Whoa. or she's all that like the og the the blueprint for uh rom-coms of that time period i mean heather Matarazzo from the princess diaries where weaver from nurse jackie like wild cast of very young actresses and it's about this like all girl school and this girl who shows up and becomes a kind of a part of this weird group of friends that they call themselves the daughters of the American ravioli and they eat ravioli in the attic together and they're just kind of weird little feminist girls and uh, they realize that their school due to money constraints is going to be combined with an all boy school And uh, half the girls don't want that and half the girls do. And so then they kind of like battle (laughs) over uh, trying to keep the boys out. And uh, eventually it just becomes this fun little like weird story about like solidarity and voting. And it's just a very cute little nineties hidden gem. I think it's on Tubi probably. Um, So recommend that. And then I watched I watched uh, Academy Award winner for Best Picture Shakespeare in Love this wow. week for the first time.
0: You so and you'd a, never seen it. I've also I've never, seen it. never seen it.
1: I, I think you would enli- I think it's a movie you would dig absolutely. And um, Rachel got mad that I'd never seen it and she was like, "Put it on." Uh, and so yeah, I, I think people are very pissy about this movie because it beat Saving Private Ryan. I think, which is a movie I've not seen. Sure,
0: that's a. That's a mighty movie, although I don't, I don't know how that holds up today.
1: And here's the thing. It's it's much like uh, I'm trying to even figure out how to say this. Like, I feel like when sometimes people are shocked about movies like that winning, what they need to realize is, especially at that time, the voting pool was like a bunch of actors and actors love movies that remind them how important their craft is. It's true. Actors love movies that are like actors change the world. And you know, I'm an I've you know I don't know if I consider myself an actor still, but I have acted a lot. Like it hits those notes for me of like, oh, theater can change the world. Oh, theater can be this immersive, beautiful experience that creates love and power. And like it it hits those notes for me, which is why I enjoyed it. Because as a person who makes theater, enjoys romance, it hits a lot of the beats of Romeo and Juliet, which is probably my favorite Shakespeare, other than maybe Julius Caesar. Like, uh. You know, it's a movie that I knew I was going to like, but I, 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 I'm not shocked that it won because, yeah, actors love movies about actors. <laughs> actors love seeing movies about themselves. So, that like, I think that's probably why it beat Saving Private Ryan because a lot of people probably were like, oh, this movie's about theater. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel good about what I'm doing. Vote.
0: <laughs> I mean, I will also say that this was one of the first movies to be aggressively campaigned for by Harvey Weinstein. I don't want to bring the mood <laughs> of the room down. I'm just saying yeah, no, that that's I saw he was on the producing a, list. a major yeah. element of the campaign for this movie was aggressive mm, yeah. press uh, started and championed by Weinstein kind of uh, some have argued bullying the film into winning.
1: Oh geez, um, I didn't realize there was that history. Yeah,
0: I didn't mean to spread. it feels like a gotcha oh, no, saying no, it you're good but like no you're so this good. is what happened.
1: <laughs> Awards do not matter and that's what I watched this week other than white chicks. Oh my goodness. All right. Yeah. So,
0: you know, kind of a light week. Um, Everybody go out and read the new Daniel Warren Johnson comic, Do a Powerbomb from Image out this week at your local comic shop. It's awesome. (laughs) Um, And yeah, that brings us to... Whooped it, news! What does it all mean, Basil? We're on the road to the 20th anniversary of Gold Member. Hard to believe that it's the 25th anniversary of the first one and the 20th anniversary of the third, but that's how it works out. Mindy Sterling was on the Hit Network, which I'm understanding as some kind of radio program. And uh, she was on for like three minutes. And she, you know, talked like Frau and talked about how much fun it was to be in the Austin Powers films. Seems like a blast. Love her seems like a blast i also have a shocking epilogue to one of the breakout segments of the year never repeated (laughs) elsewhere
1: oh god the
0: search for the seth green ape nft why um i saw this article (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fucking what? What?
0: I saw this article on Mashable that basically reveals that Seth Green A had quote exploited the IP of the ape into a sitcom called Uh White Horse Tavern. So that's what that was about. This is barely worth reporting, I have to note. <laughs> okay. The NFT was the main character of the show and, of course, was voiced by Seth Green. That was number two. Number three the NFT was stolen by an NFT collector known as Mr. Cheese and only returned
1: Mr. Cheese
0: the NFT when Seth Green paid $300,000 for its return.
1: That is too much money. That is too much fucking money.
0: So have no fear. The White Horse Tavern will be covered in detail on Austin Danger Podcast <laughs> no! once it releases every minute of it. No! It's going to be incredible. I'm the
1: steamroller guy.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> no.
1: That's, move. I mean- move. The NFT is coming. No.
0: That that's gonna be something that will be request only. I think maybe maybe you would have to be over there. <laughs> you
1: gotta write in to let us know if you want us to watch. You this would have to be fucking NFT series
0: over there for us to consider <laughs> doing it. God, our show is silly. Uh, and that's all the Austin news that I have. Do you, you don't have oh, anything by any chance? Do you? No, no, I was
1: just surfing Twitter, and it's just a uh, it's just that that um catboy Austin account just tweets a lot, and that's really all my news.
0: Yeah, pretty much. That that Seth Green trailer, man.
1: It, it,
0: oh my God. Anyway, folks, July Fourth is coming up very soon.
1: God bless America.
0: There's only one more Austin episode left <laughs> before Boz Lerman's Elvis comes out. We're we're recording this next, not to not to you know show the whole thing, not to open the curtain. We record this on the twenty second. And then I'm going to see Elvis right after work.
1: I'm going on the twenty fifth. I bought my tickets today.
0: Hell yeah. I can't believe that I'll be walking into uh the movie right from work.
1: I can't believe you get I to see have it seen before it me. Right
0: away. Well, I'm not gonna reveal, you know. We're not gonna,
1: you know. <laughs> we'll talk about
0: it on July 4th, is all I have to say about it. I'm Won't that be exciting for you listeners, huh?
1: I'm so excited. Right? <laughs> Our first 3-hour episode.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> so to celebrate, we're doing a journey you could follow it at Letterboxd. We have the whole list up. It's called Austin Danger Podcast presents Austin Butler Podcast presents the road to Buzz Lerman's Elvis. Everybody knows about it. I know, I know. <laughs> I watched some movie starring Elvis this week. Nice. That that's something that I watched. We both watched Jailhouse Rock. We
1: did, yeah.
0: Which is talk about ways to get Elvis in front of a microphone. (laughs)
1: i mean both these movies yeah. i
0: watched two of them and they're all basically just let's get elvis in and out of each scene in the right order so that we can get him onto a stage
1: yeah it's th- bizarre that seems to be the vibe that seems to be the vibe of these movies is just let elvis look hot and make sure he sings because at least for jell House rock like the performances were fun but like the story was so boring the story- and um but for me what i got out of it was it was cool seeing Elvis for an extended period of time just to see how he moves and walks and talks and and exists because I feel like that's what I'm going to I want to get out of this so that I can bring that knowledge to the new Elvis right. I guess um right. and so yeah he was like so charming and so handsome and like when he got to just perform it was amazing and um yeah I thought it was cool I thought it was I thought it was a it was a fun decent movie albeit the plot pretty much sucked
0: he kills a guy by accident <laughs> with these it's big,
1: big roundhouse punch but here's the thing he kills that guy because he's being an asshole to a woman and I, I do love that that guy's being kind of gross and grabby with the lady and so it's Elvis true. knocks his fucking lights out and you know it's. True. I'm not mad I'm not mad at Elvis he's being a feminist king in that <laughs> moment so yeah Feminist king, famously a feminist, Elvis
0: Presley. Uh, uh, Baz Elvis, stay tuned. <laughs> it has everything to do with us. I also watched King Creole, which is a, a much stronger conceit. Mm, okay. Elvis is bouncing off of Walter Matthau, who's great. He looks like he's 15 years old <laughs> because he doesn't look like he's 95 years old. Rare for Matthau. Um. He was 35 at that moment, which is mind-blowing. It makes me feel a lot better about my life, I have to be honest. (laughs) Um, And that's very similar, though, where they're just trying to get Elvis in front of a a microphone. I don't think anything we'll see in this journey will top the Jailhouse Rock musical number, though.
1: Yeah, the Jailhouse Rock. I watched... um, Did I not log this? Maybe I just forgot to notice it. I also watched some Like It Hot this week. Um, oh which yeah. Okay. I, I won't talk about it a lot because we are kind of past that. But it had a similar thing to me where the, the plot felt really weak, but the, it was fun to see these like iconic performers and the right. the scene the scene right Diamonds Are Girls Best Friend was the highlight of the movie. Much like with Jailhouse Rock, Jailhouse Rock was like the highlight of the movie. Like you watch it to see that scene and you're like, all right, I got my price of admission. I'm okay.
0: Yeah, I agree. I have to crack open my Criterion of something Like It Hot. I love that movie.
1: Oh, I spoke wrong. It's not Some Like It Hot. I'm a fool. It's a Oh my god. G- gentlemen prefer blondes. I'm a, I'm a dummy, dum dum.
0: Wow, okay. That's yeah, what I meant I to say. Like, are a no, that- yeah, no. I, I was like danger girls No, that's yeah. I love Some Like It Hot. I was like the plot. I was like the plot of Some Like It Hot, you know, I'm not going to do this, <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean Some the plot Like is It is pretty strong. Some Like <laughs> It Hot
1: relates to white chicks actually pretty wonderfully i'm so my brain is fully dead i'm so sorry um yeah okay gentlemen prefer blondes here. is what i watched some like it hot i adore and we blind bought that criterion and watched it and we're like holy shit this movie fucking rocks uh yeah no i love some like it hot i'm sorry i misspoke everyone marilyn monroe it all kind of bled together in my brain
0: uh, nobody's perfect
1: but hey you know some like it hot is a kind of excellent transition we basically watched the 2004-some like it Hunt. Yeah, I guess so. Like, it's very similar plot-wise. Folks,
0: each week, one of us spins a giant wheel. And that wheel contains a slice for up to about 450 movies that are connected in some way to the Austin Powers trilogy. <laughs> yes. This week, Keenan Ivory Wayans' White Chicks, a satire on paris hilton simple life culture on on iraq war era america culture on race and gender and the intersection of such
1: things (laughs) it's it's got a quite a lot going on it does and we're going to get into all of it
0: absolutely but first Mackenzie, you spun in the wheel declared white chicks so it is on you to do the synopsis so please
1: Oh my, look at that Stone cold box and platinum hair
2: Short skirt, belly down. Make a chick want to hate, make a boy want to stare Well, Miss Wilson, you must be worth a trillion bucks
1: Brothers and FBI partners Marcus and Kevin are looking for a way to get back in their chief's good graces after a messy, botched job. They take on the job that no one else wants, escorting the vapid heiresses, the Wilson sisters, to a weekend in the Hamptons in order to keep an eye on them, as they are the suspected next targets in a string of high-profile kidnappings that the FBI is investigating. The sisters get injured and then refuse to go to the Hamptons due to their facial scars, prompting Marcus and Kevin to go undercover as the girls to the kidnappers out, arrest them, and be the heroes. The film strings together action, silliness, and satire, as through being these sisters, the brothers learn how to be more present and loving partners, better agents, and more caring friends, as they inhabit the lives of these two white chicks.
0: Stuck the landing.
1: One of my better synopsis is, I will not lie.
0: Career best. <laughs> <laughs> career best one
1: of my better ones yeah
0: paradigm changing for the pod i'm shaking in my boots now i gotta step up
1: <laughs> i was really proud of this when i wrote it i will not I lie step up. i will not lie so kev i believe i know the answer but do you have any history with white chicks with this era of culture or any touchstones that you brought into this movie
0: i hadn't seen any wayne's brother stuff as a kid there were ads for this movie on TV all the time. I was already watching tons of stuff that I shouldn't have been watching at the time because I had cable in my room, which was such a mistake. Um, but I resisted this movie because I thought it looked really stupid. I I have to be honest (laughs) and in an even more pretentious way than usual. (laughs) Like I was like, this is so stupid, (laughs) but it's, it's one of those movies I come back to now as an adult. It's like, what was I even thinking? If I had given it a shot, you know, around this time, uh, dude, where's my car? We watched it at a friend's house <laughs> and dude, where's my car is another one where I was like, that movie's so stupid, but it's pretty brilliant. Actually. I haven't it's a ton watched of fun. it since,
1: it, it, I mean, a million years ago. It's got way
0: less going on than this, but like, it's totally fun and goes off in a way that you don't even expect. I love that. But anyway. Uh, But no, I I had no no real interest in watching this. And I wasn't about to be allowed to go see it. And my parents, you know, my dad was like the only one taking me to a movie. And even then it was like twice a year. (laughs) So it wasn't going to be White Chicks. It was going to be that year with Shrek 2.
1: Oh, yes. Shrek 2 is amazing. Uh,
0: And then they had just done it on the Scott Hasn't Seen podcast, Mm. which is like the premium comedy Bang Bang show. And that was the last time. I thought, I, I thought we were never going to get it. I didn't even know it was connected, <laughs> so it was a big surprise. I love that. You have quite a history with White
1: Oh, cheeks. yes, baby. I have seen this movie a lot. It is a childhood nostalgia fave of mine, mm. uh, so I definitely think that is what kind of incorporates into it. Uh, as I watch this movie, I wrote down all the lines that are seared into the the gray mass in my skull uh they're just written in the in the brain waves of my head um because i watched this movie so much growing up i was like what right. 9 10 11 when it came out and around that time as i said i was very into e and i was very into the simple life and like the girls next door and all those sort of high femme girly weird reality shows that sort of uh made fun of as well as um platformed this sort of rich white blonde lady um i i I thought the simple life was funny and honestly there are parts of it that still make me laugh like it was a it was i feel like paris hilton in the early 2000s paris her sister nicole richie Lindsay lohan early you know pre-2007 britney like that level of like lady celebrity was so specific um and so, watching this, I was like, I wonder how relevant this movie is going to feel to people younger than us because, like, we might be the last people that remember that type of celebrity in the way it was presented. Um, yeah. Because you kind of need that to know the parody in this movie a bit. But um, yeah, I was super, super into that culture. Like, I, I read Perez Hilton, like, I was 10 reading him. Why was I oh doing my that? Oh, God. Yeah, insane. I don't know why I was so plugged in <laughs> at such a young age. But when this movie came out, I remember my friends and I just were like, "Oh, this looks funny!" and we watched it and we thought it was so funny. And we we had it on DVD. I watched it all the time. I felt like very in the know of all the jokes and the references they made. And like, it's just it was just a childhood nostalgia fave. And I do not think it ever went through my mind at all the like commentary on race or or gender. Really, I think I just thought it was a funny movie growing up. <laughs> um, And I think, like, last October, my friends and I revisited it. My old rating was on there. I'll say up front, my old rating um, that I had from October was a 3.5 with a heart. Uh, And it was, I just was pleasantly surprised by how well it aged for me. I was like, oh. Because, you know, sometimes you come back to childhood favorites and you're like, oh, wow, this is offensive to everyone. Um, Yep. But I didn't find that with white chicks. And then watching it today, sober... (laughs) I'll add because I was not in October Um, sure I think that the jokes hit me very well and this time I was very more plugged into the to the satire this time and found myself being more impressed by it than I thought I would be Uh, and I guess I kind of can open up the convo like what are your initial feelings about white chicks as someone who's never seen this before
0: yeah a weird time and place to see (laughs) white
1: chicks right (laughs) it's a weird movie
0: right, but no, I was pretty impressed, you know this is another situation like many I've been having over the last couple of years where it's like, wow, I've been missing out this is really funny and smart, and you know I've seen a lot of in living color I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of their other stuff. I don't know why I didn't give this a shot was little man so cursed not that I saw that
1: I didn't see that either,
0: but like I don't know I don't know i I feel like yeah, I've been missing out this is brilliant
1: I like. I watched it this morning so it was like early morning watch for me and so many of the jokes land for me like this movie genuinely I like get I get belly laughs from this movie Hmm. Um, because I just find it to be very funny and and I I mentioned some like it hot Um, I watched that early this year so now I kind of have that touchstone and I was like oh my god I can see the parallels to some like it hot in a way that really that really works for me it's like if some like it hot met like the watermelon man if you've heard of that movie um which is you know uh where where it's kind of another i hate to say the phrase white face but it's another that kind of movie where a black man dresses up as a white man and that and like lives life as a white man uh and it's a very like satirical commentary on race and so it like mixes that movie with some like it hot which i think kind of it works really well for me here
0: I mean, yeah. It's so it's, I was just exactly. so
1: charmed by it. I don't know why. I'm just really charmed <laughs> yeah. by this movie.
0: Yeah. Again, it, it took me by complete surprise. <laughs> I, was like, I didn't expect to root for these guys at all. I expected it to be tired. Mm. I expected it to be kind of like whatever, especially since you know Paris Hilton has revealed like, oh, it was all a grift. As if that's like news. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Literally. You
0: know? uh, anyway and also talk about people who are hypnotized by the ape nft but anyway 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 but no i think it's aged very well in in general as a satire on again prejudice and and uh yeah
1: yeah the way it makes fun of, of kind of racist like casually racist white people and rich people yes. and the way those identities intersect uh is just like way- funny
0: The way that like the first time they're checking into the hotel and they have, they're, they're kind of insecure in their characters. Mm -hmm. And so the way that they ingratiate themselves as their identities is by being being extremely (laughs) racist to the help. Yes. That was the moment where I'm like, wait a minute, there is something else going on here.
2: I'm so freaking pissed. First of all, I go to Dr. Dorfman; he totally messes up my nose job. I ask him to make me look like Gwyneth Paltrow. I get off the surgery table looking like freaking Shrek. Then I get here. And Mr Harper makes me feel like I'm some dumb blob with fake boobs going to him. No, 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 I, I didn't mean to offend you. It's just, it, it's, it's, I'm going to have a Bf. Oh my God. She's going to have a pitch fit. Oh no, 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 no. Don't have a, a Bf. I want to speak to your supervisor. Better yet, I'm gonna write a letter. You are in big trouble, dear Mr. Royal Hampton. I am a white woman in Ladies America. Is there a problem here?
0: Like, the opening scene, I was like, oh, no. Yes,
2: the opening, opening scene, opening, I, the could, open, I would get out of it. I hate that
1: I scene. I was like,
0: oh, this is like, what did we do? But by <laughs> that time, I was like, wait a minute. There is something interesting going on here.
1: Yeah, there's and like. And then
0: not long after that, Terry, which we'll talk about. <sighs> ugh, yeah, there's like two Terry.
1: scenes I don't like. I don't like the, 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 the kind of over overacted Cuban personalities. And then I don't love. I'm going to get ahead of it. The two things I don't love. Sure. And I mentioned this to you, so the, the, that, That's that right. thing in the beginning, but like sometimes with cross-dressing comedies, especially in this era, it teeters into transphobia or homophobia in a really weird way. And I was watching this movie on like an hour and a half past and I was like, wow, I don't feel this. Like f- this doesn't feel like hurtful or weird. Right. But then they have that stupid fucking scene when the real Wilson sisters come and it's like, we'll prove they're women by showing you their you know or they're real men by showing you their penises and you know that is gross equating genitalia with gender is so if i could just cut that scene i'd be i'd be aces And and thankfully it's like a short scene but i was like pleasantly surprised that this movie goes so long through most of its runtime without making fun of femininity and without making fun of the way they look if anything it's the humor for me comes because um, you have to suspend your disbelief that anyone would believe. Cause they clearly don't look like the sisters, but it's never right. an issue. Like people just, it's, it's just this deep, this immediate belief. Yeah. That's who they, that's who they are. And because I kind of love care. that. Yeah. They, <laughs> um, if
0: they, if they notice them for anything else other than their status, they wouldn't matter. But it, like they would, they would, sorry, they would see right through it. Right. Yeah.
1: But it's so it, because of that, it leads to, it leads to like, a lack of grossness in a way that I like, because they just accept these these people immediately, and it's like, yeah, that's who they are, and then the movie gets to just keep going, and I love that.
0: They do not look human, for the record. <laughs> Let me tell you, uh, just sorry to sorry to like tangent here. No, please go. Um, the makeup is the, a big part
1: of it, so we could probably talk about that. One of the
0: episodes that we're doing very soon, at some point, could be next week, <laughs> is Doctor Seuss's The Cat in the Hat, oh my God. and. I want you, if you're on, you know, if you're able to do something right now, if you're not working or whatever, go on your phone, go on Letterboxd, and go on Dr. Seuss' The Cat in the Hat page. And look at that banner and tell me that's not the scariest fucking thing you've ever seen in your life.
1: <laughs> okay, let me click. The
0: makeup in White Chicks and the makeup in Mike Myers' The Cat in the Hat rang very similar to me. And it's from <laughs> around the same time. It's very weird.
1: It's, um, I think I saw somewhere that the person who did the makeup for this also is the mrs doubtfire makeup person
0: you know that makes perfect sense because some of the molds uh in the hotel look like mrs doubtfire
1: molds yeah i mean i i think maybe i'm just used to them at this point they don't they don't like bother me as much um and i i agree that they're like okay they're not great and it's like if, if you as a watcher cannot suspend your disbelief at like accepting the way they look it's a hard movie you know what i mean or like at least like being able to deal with it (laughs) like it's a movie that you won't be able to really lean into i think if you if you at the top cannot accept the way that makeup looks um but there are times where i'm impressed by it and i know it sounds silly but when they're doing more like active stuff and especially when they're um less clothed like i was actually really impressed with the body paint at the beach i was like wow like it's shocking to me that the agents in the film would be comfortable being in bikinis bearing more body because the way they've done the the shaping and the the painting on their bodies there were times where they were like less clothed that I was actually like kind of impressed by the makeup
0: right I'm gonna make a hard transition out okay because I feel like I have to bring up the most valuable player of the film (laughs) it is mr. Terry Cruz I love him so much in general and he is absolutely fantastic in this film the the payoff of the 1000 miles where it's playing in the car and you know there's like the small freak out and all of a sudden he loves that song
2: how about we listen to a little bit of music
0: how did you know song! Making my way downtown, walking fast, faces passing, I'm homebound. <laughs> and I need you, and I miss you, and now I wonder if I could fall into the sky. Do you think time went past me by? you know I'd walk a thousand miles if I could just see you tonight. It's just a hilarious joke. You know, I-, I honestly had never heard that song. Ever? One Thousand Miles. I guess I had heard it on the radio, but it was not a giant deal until I was a- an adult and all my friends were like going crazy over this song. Probably because of white chips. I am curious if this argue.
1: movie if this movie made it a big cultural thing. Because I knew this song from this movie and loved it from this movie. And I'm and then it was all over the radio, so I'm I am curious if this movie made it a bigger deal than it than it was.
0: I don't know. We may never know.
1: He is such a wild parody of a very specific man, uh, in a way that is so like he has so many weird like him on ecstasy dancing is so funny to me. Yes. Um and speaking of, like, the weird subversions, he does the, the end when he, when, when, uh, um, when Marcus reveals himself and he's, like, not mad that Marcus isn't a woman. He's mad that Marcus is black. Like, what, yes, a, what a fucking hilarious, weird joke um, of him being a guy who prefers white women. And I just think it's, I, I just think it is, like, he is just so, he sells that role so much in a way that is very, very funny.
0: It's it's just a total commitment mm-hmm, that goes mm-hmm. a long way.
1: I speaking of performances, I love the friend group. I love the the friend group of like character actresses uh, that 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 the, the the brothers become close to as they are Tiffany and Brittany. Um, that that group of five people like i love the friend group and i want them like i like that they all grow in ways they need to like how busy phillips gets more self-confidence and like learns to stand up for herself like you know hopefully like like they they unpack the different sort of isms of these women like the one girl who has definitely has like body dysphoria and like the other girl who's definitely like an alcoholic like they kind of unpack these things and then like they help the brothers become more in tune with women and like teach them like what women need and like in turn helps Marcus be a better husband and like I just kind of like that they all help each other and I love in the end there's the implication that they all stay friends like I just I just like the scenes where all of them are together the dance battle the in the car that scene in the car I do think is very funny Um, like you know it's just they they, I just think it's a very fun um, I just really like those actresses I think they all work really well in their roles for me
0: It's great chemistry.
1: Yes. They all have really great chemistry as a friend group. And they're really they they really play being in on the joke very well. Like you can tell the trust that needed to happen between the Wayans and them to I mean, one, play that car scene period like that's a, the trust between yes, them
0: that is that is a lot Is a
1: lot the here I see white people saying those words but it's like it's the joke is very funny to me of like them being like uh no one's around and like like just like giving these women a pass because they are also white women in that moment like it's just very silly and weird um, but then like them giving Busy Phillips like cornrows at the slumber party, like things like that. Oh my it's god, just so silly. I was dying.
0: <laughs> I was um, dying. It's
1: just so it's just so silly. Like they I just think the bits with them are very funny.
0: At the same time as we have the stories of the confused identity and the Terry Cruz, there's also the love story.
1: <laughs>
0: so there's the love story between Kevin and Denise, where he... <laughs> He takes their car to Terry Cruz's house, yes. which is full of all sorts of bizarre stuff. He has to explain away the giant painting of Terry Crews in, in the foyer.
1: <laughs> yes. I think it's very... Their romance is very sweet, and that uh, it makes sense to me. Like, I like that there's... This movie has, like, Shakespearean levels of shit going on yeah. in terms of, like cross-dressing hijinks and then romance and then a mystery is afoot like there has a, there's a lot going on and i think the movie balances it really well um right. and these romance scenes are very fun like and i like that she kind of becomes like a weird deus ex machina in the end and with her um presence at the fashion party like i like that denise doesn't just feel like a romantic interest she feels like she genuinely matters to like the plot in a way that's very fun
0: no exactly what other podcast by the way are you going to hear white chicks called shakespearean <laughs> and then you're sitting there thinking about it and you're like that's valid
1: it is like in terms of the structure it's, it feels very shakespearean to me in terms of the types of tropes it uses i guess um to get the story across right. i There's can't help it that links. i'm just a fucking scholar okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> um one of our links uh, fawn a chambers uh, as the paranoid girlfriend gina yes who believes that Marlon Wayne's Marcus is cheating on her when in reality he is Mrs. Doubt firing his way <laughs> back into the FBI.
1: Yes, I do love, um, you know she's like i get the i get the bit of like paranoid girlfriend i guess um doesn't super land for me but i do love her near the end when they get into the white party and she's like invitation my ass this is how we do it and like just climbs in underneath the fucking tent (laughs) and like is being like she's very funny in those last couple scenes uh in a way that she just she's really really funny
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just (laughs) hilarious. It feels very, maybe a little played, but played by design. It's just a normal misunderstanding, you know, again, Shakespearean in the way that it's like basic, very, you know, (laughs) I, I was expecting something much dumber and it's actually very nicely built. Yeah
1: I think the movie is structured very well by the time we get to the end like I I like how everything wraps up I like how throughout the movie they're kind of figuring out the motive via the like rich people drama and then by the end they have the pieces they just got to put them together and it it all kind of works out really well like I I think it's a very neat movie in a way that like I enjoy
0: it all comes together at that great fashion show very funny. Like no real need for it, but you have to have that big set piece.
1: And when the sisters start switching and like the different sisters are together from the different pairings, that feels very Shakespeare, like 1290, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the kind of yeah. twins aspect of it of like, cause I'm pretty sure once again, the makeup they wear looks nothing like the actual girls. So I couldn't tell that moment when, when one of the real girls and one of the weigh-ins get out together, if they were supposed to be the same girl. And that's why the audience was like, what? Um, I couldn't right. quite tell if that was who, what the joke was because they don't look anything like the the girls to me. But um, I do think that that's funny, like them all being on the same stage. And <laughs> sorry, I just thought about the sisters being like, "Oh my god, we've been cloned," which is another line I think is really funny. <laughs> the it's jokes, ridiculous. the jokes are what get me. The move like, I genuinely find this movie to be funny. Like, like the jokes get me really hard.
0: It's, it's just a really awesome movie. Mackenzie, you're kind of, you know, we're winding down here. What are your kind of final? F- there are, are definitely
1: times in my Letterboxd career, I want to preface by saying career, where I tried to give like objective <laughs> ratings where I was like, I have to look at this like a critic would. And I have to, to give this like the rating from the actual artistic point of view, not necessarily how I feel, but how it really literally is. I do believe my last rating of White Chicks is objectively correct. Not objectively, but you know what I mean. Subjective to my opinion. 3.5, yeah, yeah. I think, makes sense for this movie. Like, I think a 3.5 genuinely makes sense. Like, it's a, three, it's, it's a little bit better than average studio comedy from 2004. That's...
0: Yeah, I mean... That's what it is. Yes.
1: But I was, like, struck by it more today. And I am definitely... I have moved to a place with Letterboxd where I say... I don't really care what the objective rating is. How do I feel about it? How does it feel in my heart? I'm the person that's giving Spice World and Charlie's Angels and Batman and Robin five stars. Like, I, I wanted—I want to know how it feels to me. And so today, this movie, aside from like a couple of jokes, made me laugh my ass off. I have a huge nostalgia factor for it. I—I I think it is one of my favorite comedies. I think I'm realizing watching it today. I think it—I think it genuinely was misunderstood at its time and it is a genuinely smart and funny and well put together satire on race and gender and it it makes me very happy and so i'm giving it a 4.5 sh- what is that a very sh- shagadelic what i'm saying i know that is too high for this movie I just like it. I don't give a shit. And I'm going to live my fucking truth. So Whoa. that's where I'm at. Please don't feel like you have to get up there with me. I know it is not no correct. No, no, I know way. it is not correct. But that is, um, that's where I'm at today, June 15th. I told Holy Rachel before shit. I came in, I'm like, I'm going to go on God's internet right now with Kevin Riley, and I'm going to tell the world that I'm giving white chicks four and a half stars on Letterboxd oh my god it's stupid that's, it's that's stupid insane. it's the stupidest rating you might hear on this show from me um but that's uh, it well if
0: people like stupid ratings southland tales coming <laughs> up soon
1: <laughs> on also
0: major podcast it could be any week <laughs> yeah i'm at a 3.5 you know a very yes, all right I think totally he, uh, back makes here sense. on earth <laughs> um and uh yeah that's all i gotta say uh, very impressive
1: I agree with that rating.
0: Very impressive.
1: Let's do our little show.
0: It is time to do our little show. Folks, if this is your first time with us, every week we do a couple segments after our main event review. Uh, we What we'll do is we'll do a segment called I Love Gold, where we'll go through the awards and accolades earned by the film. Then we'll do a segment that is, at least for now, called the Alan Parsons Project, where we'll go through the links to the Austin Powers films and the movie we talk about this evening mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then there you are you're over there if we have some letters and voicemails from our, our friends out there in the austin verse um we play them there and then we spin the wheel yes it's time to do our little show i love, I love gold. gold it may shock you to hear that white chicks won an oscar actually they didn't win an oscar <laughs> I Sure. Keen and Ivory Wayans won Outstanding Directing for a Box Office Movie at the BET Comedy Awards. Oh, nice. I am not sure what a box office movie is, but maybe that just means, like, whatever, like, Popular, it was out in theaters yeah. versus TV. Probably. You know what I mean? Yeah. Th- there was only one ever, so I don't know. Also, the writing. Outstand- it's called The award is called Outstanding Writing for a Box Office Movie, so there you go. Oh, weird. Uh, marlin was nominated as well as the movie itself dallas fort worth film critics association awards hard to believe this organization didn't like this movie they nominated for worst film <laughs> and of course the razzies five nominations worst picture worst actress the way sisters <laughs> Jesus. worst sc- worst screen couple the wayans brothers and marlin Worst director: Keenan Ivory Wayans. Worst screenplay: The Wayans brothers, Andrew McElfresh, Michael Anthony Snowden, and Xavier Cook. All right. Uh, it also won the Stinker's Bad Movie Award for most painfully unfunny comedy. Which again is like I think it's uppity white men in their mid to late 30s who didn't even see the movie complaining about it because they're seeing ads for it during their kids in the hall reruns at 2:30 in the afternoon on Comedy Central, man.
1: Yeah, I think that um, if you are if you're bored, I would say go to the, honestly, and I'm not, I'm saying this like unironically, The top reviews on Letterboxd, though, a lot of them are jokey. There are a couple that are like very insightful and very funny at the same time about like why people think this failed and why they think it it works for them now so the top reviews on letterboxd are all very very fun and good
0: it's amazingly interesting yeah it's one of those movies that has been kind of saved a little bit by letterboxd mm-hmm. in that people can finally share their long-standing opinions that would have gotten laughed out of a room on a forum. and i
1: honestly think we've seen worse shit now that we watch yeah. this and we're like oh this actually isn't as bad as we think it is i think that's also where people are Um, landing with this movie it's like oh this isn't as bad as i think it is in my brain if you sit and watch it it's genuinely not that bad
0: i will say you know we are a podcast about austin powers but another through line that's been developing here under underneath is hey we actually really miss studio comedies that aren't like also marvel movies yes or aren't tied to a franchise like like what if what if a movie was designed for people to just have fun and laugh? Yes. I miss it. So that's I Love Gold. The Alan Parsons Project, I got to be real with you guys, it is jam-packed this week.
1: You're going to have to do so a boom, gonna boom, go, boom?
0: We're going to go straight through by the movie. The Alan Parsons Project, first in the crucial makeup department, you've got Erwin Kupitz. Come on the show and correct me, Irwin. In music, the Hollywood Studio Symphony and the Hollywood Studio Orchestra returns. I wonder if they hate each other. Huh? <clears throat> From the Spy Who Shagged Me, you have Fawn Chambers Watkins, who I thought was quite funny.
1: Yes, she plays in her oh, role. Oh, I've got her I now. believe she's Gina. Gina, right? yes, Marcus's wife. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: The wife, yeah, absolutely great. She's so funny. I'm sorry if, I'm sorry for saying girlfriend. Please edit that out.
1: No, I also thought girlfriend until the like near the random part in the end. He's like my wife, and I'm like y'all are married. I also did not realize the characters are supposed to be brothers until I was writing the synopsis. But that's a story <laughs> for another time.
0: Exactly. Uh, just running run down real quick, Mark Viniello, Viniello, who also worked on Starship Troopers. Oh, boy. Uh, John Coates, visual effects. Uh, Will Huff in the makeup department. Steve, Steve Giuliani with a J. Oh, okay. Whew, dodged a bullet. Also worked on Eight-Legged Freaks, which I've been waiting to see for a while. Mm-hmm. It would be great. All right, so for Goldmember, we have an astonishing 24 links, so please hold on to your hats.
1: All right. Same time period. Britney
0: Spears, kinda. Beyonce, and Jay-Z all appear on the soundtrack. Yes. Um, Fawn Chambers-Watkins is in this one, too. Harry Wayne Casey, who's credited for a bunch of stuff. We've seen him before. Andy Quayama, Sound Department Richard Finch, Thomas J. O'Connell, Bill Meadows, Warner Laughlin, Chris Carpenter, Bruno Kuhn, Reggie Rizzo, a real person who worked on Bad Max Fury Road, Rick Canelli, Greg LaPlante, Frank Machia, who returns, might, might be Machia, Erwin mm. uh, Kupitz, I read already, John Kutzer, read already Will Huff, Philip Rogers, Roy Seeger, and Jonathan Gording. Listen, some weeks it's going to be one key grip. Some weeks, it's going to be 25 special effects, guys. We love it. This is how it happens. <laughs> that is the Alan Parsons project. Oh,
1: thank you. We have one you over there. And based That's on right. the sender, I believe this may be the return of the Randy Roundtable, which absolutely makes sense for this film. So,
0: Also important to note, as you're listening to this, if you're listening on the day this comes out tomorrow... Mackenzie will be appearing on ty's podcast we should watch a movie yeah
1: part one
0: of the oceans trilogy yeah epic summer journey you guys are going on on that show i have
1: never seen them yeah
0: i haven't seen 12 and 13 i only saw 11 last year so this is gonna be great
1: let's see what ty has to say
2: do i make you horny baby do i do i make you randy i love the uh sorry about the short hiatus um but, yeah, you know, I had to come back with, with a voicemail for White Chicks. Um, <laughs> just such a seminal movie in film history. Um, but, you know, as I was making my way downtown, I was walking fast. Faces were passing as I was homebound. Um, I was really starting to think about what would be the horniest moment in this movie. And I don't think it's just one moment. It's just Terry Cruz's entire performance. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that's it. Um, that's, <laughs> that's definitely got to be it. Um, it's it's fantastic. It's great. Him singing in the car. Whenever I hear that Vanessa Carlton song, I always do the little head shake, just like he does in the movie. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I still, I, I don't know what y'all thoughts, what your thoughts are on this movie. This is just such a weird movie to talk about, but it will only be done at ADP. It's the right place to do it. Um, okay, well, hope y'all are having a, a good podcast, having a good week, um, counting down to uh, Baz Lerman's plastic version of Elvis, so can't wait for that.
1: Yeah,
0: it's going to be sick.
1: Um, thank you
0: so much, Ty. Another you. great installment.
1: I was not commenting much because I was just dancing to the song because it's just such a good song. Wow.
0: That was a great karaoke track.
1: It was a good karaoke track, absolutely. Thank you for the voicemail, and I'm excited to see you literally <laughs> later this week when we talk about Ocean's Eleven.
0: Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. If if you want to be over there, you could send us a voicemail around a minute and a half. It'd be great. Or an email, and we'll read it on the air at austindangerpodcast at gmail.com. That address, again, is Austin as in Austin, danger as in Austin danger, <laughs> and podcast as in Austin danger Podcast at gmail.com.
1: You're so silly! Um, and you know... You may have feelings about the next movie we will be discussing, which the wheel, I see it inching into Kev's Zoom window. Oh, and yeah. The hands are on the wheel, and we are about to spin for our next randomly chosen movie, our last random movie before we discuss Elvis. You know, it's funny
0: that I that The Wheel chose this one oh, because no. I pulled it from the archive from my End of Raiders of the Lost Ark style FBI warehouse <laughs> just a week ago, intending to watch it. Really? The movie we're watching today, I remember as being an all-time favorite for me, but <gasps> oh. it's been a long time. Okay. It comes from around the same time as Austin. It's a film from 1999. Okay. It is a satirical black comedy from Alexander Payne starring the great Reese Witherspoon and Mr. Matthew Broderick. It's called Election.
1: Wow. I have never seen this movie.
0: Yeah.
1: My um, high school acting teacher is in that movie.
0: That's right. Oh my God. <laughs> if, I love it. If
1: you all watch and you see a sh- a single shot of a bunch of kids in bleachers and one of them is in a gold lame shirt, that is my high school acting teacher in the film Electric. I'm going to have
0: to keep out for this.
1: <laughs> He's in it for like truly five seconds, but I found him in a like screenshot bundle before.
0: I love this movie. I think it's totally awesome. Spine number 904 in the Criterion Collection, Ooh. if you love meaningless shit. We're getting um,
1: fucking um, prestige here after we've yeah. watched my Chicks. Well, look, the next week we're on the road to Elvis.
0: You know what I mean? So we got to get fancy.
1: Got to get fancy. Because we if all know Elvis don't... is going in the Criterion Collection. So,
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, we'll see. But uh, no, yeah. So... Election is also streaming on Amazon Prime. So you can access it there. Or if you don't have Prime, you can rent it wherever. Won't you join us? It's a really great one. I'm in the mood for it after having seen Citizen Ruth a few uh, months ago now. Ooh. The great Laura Dern. And uh, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun.
1: I'm excited. I've never seen it. Hell yeah. Let's get into it, baby. So
0: that's next week. If you have anything to say about election, again, let us know. AustinDanger at gmail.com. It's like Austin's name, but Podcast. And until next Monday, from McKenzie, this is Kev.
1: Austin Danger Podcast. Peace! If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at AustinDangerPod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, McKenzie. Thanks for listening.